Teachers Care Society, the podcast that talks about all news and development in the educational field. We have a good show for you today as I'm joined by John Burke, a math coach from Los Angeles, as we'll be talking about the importance of self-care. So without further ado, let's get started. Welcome back. Welcome back. So today's guest is a very special guest. It's a, it's been a long time in a long time in the making. So we have John Burke. And so a little bit of background just to the listeners out there. So John Burke and I were, we're coworkers. We're at the same school. Um, and I guess I haven't told you this, John, but you were one of the, you know, the first people to reach out to me when I first got hired to school and, uh, just, it was nice to have a friendly face. Um, you know, every, anytime, whenever a teacher goes into a new school or just a new teacher altogether, it can be a little daunting, um, especially since, you know, maybe you're not from that area and then just having somebody to greet you and introduce you and show you around and just having a friendly face is really welcoming and it really uh, changes the whole out, output and outlook you have on, on the school culture. So it's just a little bit of a story that I didn't tell you before. So... Well, that, that really, um, that really puts a smile to my face, uh-huh. Albert. Thank you. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And then I appreciate, uh, our conversations that we have, you know, school related and non-school related. So, but let's, uh, let's jump into today's topic. So today's is, uh, the importance of self-care. Um, so <laughs> It's really, you know, it can be a touchy subject. So a lot of people, when they think of self-care, you know, first thing they think about is burnout, right? And you know, the past year, COVID, the whole COVID-19 pandemic or worldwide pandemic, and just not teachers here in the United States, but teachers worldwide, they were just burned out. And, you know, there's many different types of burnout. People can get like physically burned out. Um, you know, it's, it's you know, people think just because we're inside the classroom, we're, uh, we're not walking or doing a lot. But for me, I, I know I'm walking and chasing and then I'm on my feet, on my toes and like bending over and on my, you know, crawling. It's, it's a lot of, that's going to be a physical burnout for me. Um, and there's also the emotional exhaustion as well. Um, just, you know, this can be emotionally draining. Um, all the work that you put in, all the cases that you have and all the constant communication and working with all the parties. So there's different types of burnouts to people. Um, and I mean, I don't know, I don't know for you, I don't know. Do you, what kind of burnout do you experience? Well, you know, that, that's a great question. And first, first, before I jump into answering that, I just want to say thank you for having me on this, um, platform today, Albert. And what a, what a pleasure it is to get to know you and the work you're doing here with the podcast and um, really just how um, uh, honored I am to be a, to, to have been asked by you to have done this podcast in the beginning. So because this is a, a topic that's very near and dear to my heart and uh, something that I never, ever get tired of talking about. So mm-hmm. thank you. Of course, of course. It's an honor to have you. You're uh, after all, aren't you a life coach? I am. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so I, you know, I, as you know, I coach educators in the public uh, school setting in mathematics, but I also have a private practice of my own um, where I coach adults in, you know, matters of their own life, whether it's relationships or career 
or anything else that um, they are trying to move and forge ahead in their lives. And we have fun and we look at different ways of um, seeing through uh, the different barriers that may be there and um, get really curious and um, come up with solutions to um, combat those specific issues that are in their lives. Mm-hmm. But in terms of burnout, so for me, when I hear that word burnout, I just think, uh, you know, like, <laughs> uh, it's just like, I can't do it again. I just, the thought of doing that thing, whatever that thing is one more time, you know, I'd rather, I'd rather just jump out the window. <laughs> so for me, when I, I really try to avoid that place and, you know, I have some practices in my own life that I utilize to really, um, gear me up in a way that I don't go to that place of burnout. And so, uh, some of those things for me include, exercise on a regular basis, working out, um, trying to eat well, meditation, daily meditation, and spending time in nature, Um, spending time outside of the city and really getting back into um, the greenery and the trees and really allowing myself that spaciousness of just spending time in nature. Yeah. That's neat. I, I find it so neat that your, you know, your other career as a life coach, not only does it benefit others, but I mean, it really benefits yourself as well. So that's, you know, one of the few careers that, you know, can actually do that. That's, that's pretty awesome as well. So, um, and yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I mean, I, I like all the things that you said and, you know, really going out in nature. I mean, that's, that's free. You know, when people think about how to, how to, you know, how to, you know, deal with burnout, you know, people think, Oh, you know, there's these really expensive treatments um, and therapy, but like one of the simple therapies that's free is going out for a walk, turning off the computer, uh, resting your eyes, taking a nap, listening to music. I mean, these, you know, I mean, these things are, are free to do. Um, you know, don't always have to think about burnout. Oh, I need to go seek therapy or professional help like that. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And, you know, I just think sometimes people just need to be reminded that really taking care of oneself can be just like you said, a simple act of taking a walk around the block or taking a drive, getting out of the asphalt jungle. Mm-hmm. And going somewhere that, you know, has more nature. Mm-hmm. Um, so it doesn't need to be a big, bold move. It can be some, or even just simply sitting with oneself at a coffee house and enjoying a cup of coffee, you know, and like you were mentioning, less technology. I find that for me and for other folks, I know, you know, we're in this world of technology and I love my phone just like everybody else I know. But I'm really finding more and more that when I turn the phone off and really not just turn it off, but don't take it with me, it really allows me to uh, become more present and to really show up more deeply in my life. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, we're, we're living in an age where 
everything, you know, we have access to infinite knowledge, you know, in the palm of our hands, you know, there's something I don't know. I can reach out if, you know, I have a friend across the country or in a different, you know, in a different, you know, country overseas, I can easily reach out to them to some kind of social media or WhatsApp. And I know it's technology is supposed to make us feel more connected, but at the same time, it's also nice to be disconnected. Um, and yeah, that's, that's something as simple as, I mean, as even putting away or turning off the phone or silent mode or do not disturb. Um, yeah, but I mean, for, like for, for those, you know, for those who maybe experience burnout and not know that they actually experience it, you know, th- there's different signs of burnout, right? There's a physical and emotional uh, exhaustion. So you can have trouble concentrating, you have depression or just be angry. You're more irritable, um, you know, more irritable towards other, or maybe you have my detachment from work or life uh, and you no longer enjoy the things that you normally enjoy. Um, you know, I, I've been there before, like things that would cheer me up, just no longer cheered me up on, uh, you know, almost like a sense of pessimism or like isolation. You just, yeah, maybe that you, you would use to go out with your friends to, you know, a local spot or an activity or, that you always used to do together. And then you just feel isolated. You slowly, slowly start detaching away from that. Um, even just a lack of motivation. So, you know, as a teacher, like you might feel like you're no longer effective or you might have poor performance as a teacher. Uh, so these are, these are signs of burnout and, you know, there's obviously more serious signs. Uh, unfortunately, you know, if you're really, really burned out, the more serious signs could be actual like physical symptoms, like just a headache or muscle tensions, or just feeling sore altogether, like that tension in your body. Uh, I'm sure, you know, some of us, when we were really worked up, we can like feel it on our bones are just so stiff and everything's so sore. Um, and you know, another one is, you know, just being preoccupied with work, even when you're away from work, you know, you, when do you, when do you get free time? Um, that's just, you know, you're just constantly on your mind and you always have the anxiety. Um, and of course, you know, the, the most serious, one of the most serious signs of, of, being burned out is, you know, unfortunately alcohol or substance abuse or people look to it as, as an escape. Um, and just needing to, this is my only way I can, I can be worry free, whether it's, you know, drinking some alcohol or, you know, maybe smoking a cigarette. Um, you know, those, those are the obvious more signs, more serious signs of, of burnout. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I agree with you. And so, you know, especially in our profession, right. Public education now more than ever, I really feel for myself, the, um, the pertinency to, to take care of myself, given all of the, you know, the circumstances and the experiences that are going on currently and in all of our classrooms. And, um, because it isn't just us, you know, it's, it's our students, it's their parents, it's the folks we work with. So it's really, you know, the entire culture of the school that, um, I, I, for me, I've really found, um, can either take me into that or if I choose to, with the tools I have, you know, allow me to be in it, but to not be of it. Yeah. Actually, can you elaborate more on that? Like to be in it and not be of it? Yeah. It's kind of like, you know, I look at it like, um, I can deeply listen to people. I can be with people. And now I'm talking about our fellow educators, our fellow teacher friends and their students. But I, I'm also very conscious of the need to step away from it 
once the mission is complete or, you know, to be part of it, whatever it is, whether it's a staff meeting or a collaboration with teachers or even simply meeting one-on-one with a debrief after I've observed the teacher teach and, you know, coming up with different strategies and talking about what went really well in the lesson, that kind of thing. But also knowing that when that part is complete, as I leave, knowing that that is complete, really being conscious not to take it on or not to take it with me. Mm -hmm. And where in the past, I always didn't know how to navigate those waters. And, you know, with the self-care that I do, I've become more and more conscious about not only how important it is, but also how, um, uh, how important it is for me, but also how important it is for the situations that I walk into during the day in my work life and leaving that, knowing that it's done and that I did the best I could. Yeah. Just like, uh, you know, I mean, growing up when I play sports, you know, they always tell me, you know, leave it all on the field. Like just be proud of what you did and you put in all your effort and all right, the game's over. Now you, you know, enjoy some free time. So join a break and then, you know, next week practice for the next game. And I kind of see similarities like that as well. Exactly. Um, yeah. I love, I love the, uh, the comparison to sports there. That's great. Yeah. And so I, I, I try and do that as well. You know, <laughs> you put in all your effort and then at the end of the day, I, I did the best that I could, uh, in the classroom, obviously things might have not worked out the way I wanted it to, but I wipe my hands clean and I was like, all right, tomorrow's a brand new day. Um, you know, just w- one bad day is not going to make or break me. Um, you know, you're ab- Yeah, you're absolutely right. And the other thing that's coming into my consciousness right now is, um, the simple statement of saying no, mm-hmm. you know, I think as teachers, many of us tend to be overdoers. Many of us tend to take on much more than we really probably should. And the one thing I've learned for myself over the past so many years is, you know, when I feel that commitment piece beginning to take over, even though internally I'm thinking I shouldn't do this because I already have a very full plate. I've really gotten, I've really gotten become better at really just saying no Mm -hmm. and not having an apology. I'm sorry. I wish I could, or, Oh gosh, you know, uh, okay, I'll do it. And in the back of my mind, knowing that I've got three other things to do, Um, And so rather than doing something like that, self-care truly is an acknowledgement of saying no and really the art and the grace of being okay with that. Mm -hmm. I like how you said, you know, not, not, not apologizing. I mean, we know ourselves best. You know, if you, if you or someone else asked me, oh, can you help me out with this? And I already have my hands full. Um, and then, you know, it's, it's not, it's not done purposely. Sometimes, you know, the, the, the person asking generally does not know how much you have on your plate and you, you can say, Oh, I, I can't do it. I, I have my hands full. Like, you know, you don't need to apologize. You know, you need to say, Oh, sorry, I, I can't do it. Because I, I already have enough on my plate. And then, you know, if they're, if they're really your friend, if they're really understanding, they'll be like, Oh, okay. And then that's it. They'll move on. Um, 
you know, at the end of the day, you know, a friend really, they don't want to see you drown in all the stuff that you need to do. They'll be understanding of you not being able to help them out or take this responsibility that uh, they're asking of you. You know, they're really, really your friend. Then they'll, they'll be understanding. There's no need to, to apologize. And that's something that I, I like that you said. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, and I just, and I say that too, Albert, because I think in our society, I don't, I don't think I know that, you know, how many times have, and I've done it many times myself in my own life, like, gee, I wish I could, I'm sorry, but you know, this and this and this. And, and one day, or I should say one year, I worked with a colleague who was very, very, very good about setting her boundaries and in her boundary setting and just watching her with people, I noticed that when she was asked something and she knew she couldn't do it, even though she wanted to, to help that person, she very gracefully just said, no, Mm -hmm. if there's a time in the future that I can help you, I would love to, but I'm not able to right now. Mm -hmm. And it was said in such a beautiful way that, you know, it wasn't, indignation. It wasn't mean. It was just said very matter of factly, but also very much in a way that, you know, the person that she was speaking to really got it. And, and I really, I I learned from this person because she never apologized, Mm -hmm. but it was said in a way that was very graceful, but also in a way that the other person understood. I can't do that. Yeah. It's coming, it's coming from a place of love. You know, it's not just like, oh, I don't like you. I'm not going to be able to do this. Or, you know, just letting you know, like, I need to take care of myself and I can't do this. And I, you as a friend, as an understanding friend, you know, need to understand that I can't do this. And, you know, that I would love to, maybe not this time, but, you know, next time, if I could, I would. It's one of those things. And again, there was no apology attached to it. Yeah. That's great. One of the, one of the things you said earlier about just, our field in general, you know, educational burnout doesn't really affect us or the individual. It affects everyone, you know, either I'm going to burn out and crash, either I crash, you know, at home, you know, with my, my home life or my social life, or, and, you know, unfortunately I, I crashes in the school life, you know, it affects the students and the entire education system. You know, it's, we're a very collective community and we all really depend on each other. You know, I depend on you, you know, for certain things. We depend on the principal for certain things. I depend on psychology for certain things. I depend on my paraeducators. I depend on my coach. We depend on everybody. You know, it's just a very collective community. And, you know, when one person burns out, then it really affects everyone. It, it, take, for example, you know, earlier today, right? When people call out sick, you know, it's, it's okay to call out sick, you know, whether you're generally feeling sick or maybe you're just generally, you, you burned out and you need to call in a sick day. Um, it's, it's okay. You know, it's, I, I'd rather have someone call out sick than that person go into work and then, then be just burned out and just, it, it affects the way the classroom, the whole, the whole mood, the whole vibe. And it, even in passing, like in the teacher's lounge, it might, you know, affect them as well. And so, you, you know, we're aware of this. We're aware that my burnout or my feelings or the way I have my self care not only affects myself as an individual, but also those around me. Do you, I mean, have you, have you found this to be true? Oh yeah. I mean, you know, I go back to the story about my, the colleague that I had, what, and what great modeling she gave me, um, because I really do feel that, 
as teachers, you know, we're, we're constantly modeling to our students, but we're also constantly modeling in front of one another. And so I have found that with my boundary setting and my ability to take care of myself and to, to take off every now and then when I just feel like I need a self-care day for me, um, those are, that's my holy grail, you know, to really just take a day off and be okay with that and mm-hmm. not do any work. So I find that as I do that and as I model that, you know, it, it really gives other people permission to do the same in their lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, uh, you know, I'm going to switch it up a little bit. Um, you know, there's some certain things, I guess in the educational field, certain burnout factors is a simple way to put it. So some of the things that I found were that the burnout factors is actually affected by grade level. And so I, I don't think it's a well-known secret. I think it's, it's well known that, uh, that special education teachers experience more burnout at a higher rate than just primary or subject teachers. Um, and it's just, it's, it's a different, it's a different field entirely. I mean, you, I mean, earlier today, what you were, you know, you sub for a special education classroom, right? And then, you know, you can see just how many things were juggling at the same time. Um, and just how many hats were wearing. I mean, uh, I'm not, you know, I'm not, uh, you know, putting, putting down or, or making, making less of, of gen ed teachers, right? You know, they, they still do a lot, but as a sped is a whole different ball game. Um, and as you can, you can see with sped, you know, you're you know, dealing with IEPs and meetings and, and you're having service providers reaching with family communication, et cetera. Like there's a lot of things that we're doing constantly all the time, you know, especially for me, I'm dealing with the younger age group. And so I'm teaching a lot of things, you know, not only the core academics, but you got the social emotional, I'm teaching life skills as well. Um, so there's many, many things going on in the classroom and I can totally see, I mean, when I was in my teacher preparation program or credential program, you know, the teachers would, they, the teachers would also say, or the, the mentors or the professor would also say, you know, this profession has sped, we got to learn how to, how to pace ourselves because otherwise we are going to burn ourselves out. Um, and yeah, it totally makes sense. And even, you know, coming in as a new teacher, uh, you know, new teachers, you know, new teachers are going to experience burnout at a higher rate as well. Um, whether it's just, it's because it's their first job, their first year, and they might have that lack of effective classroom experience, really putting that classroom culture together, really setting those behavior expectations, um, and, you know, I can see, you know, a new teacher might feel like, oh, they're not as, as effective, especially where they're in a school with more experienced teachers, teachers have been doing it for a while. Um, I know it's, it's not healthy to compare ourselves, but, you know, naturally it's, it's going to happen. And as a new teacher, you can, it can really put you down um, and you can really feel like you're burning out. Like you feel like you need to catch up. Um, I'm using quotes here in a race, you know, but you got to think about, you know, these teachers have been teaching 20, 25 years, you know, they've been doing it a much longer time. And here you are as a new teacher, um, you you, no one's expecting you to come in and be at their, at their level already. And so they feel like they need to make up that lost ground and they, that just leads to burnout. Uh, And so that's, that's one of those things you got to look out for. Well, you know, and I love what you said earlier that when you and your, when you were in your uh, teacher preparation program, you had an instructor that actually said 
that you needed to learn to pace yourself. That's actually the very first time I have heard anybody mention that in their preparation program, an instructor actually said that. And I really commend that person, whoever that was, because I think for me, my opinion, and maybe it's changed at the university level. I don't know. It's been a, a, a lot of years since I did my preparation program. But I think that's the one thing, the one element that really needs to be looked at more closely in our profession, whether it's gen ed, special ed, but especially special ed. I, but also the gen ed, they work very hard too. But all teachers, because um, this profession is not an easy one. We go into it because we love the kids. We want to teach. We want to do our best. But it's a very, very demanding occupation. And the fact that you had an instructor that actually said that says a lot. Um, and my wish is that more new teachers and veteran teachers, for that matter, really look at this topic of self-care in a way that they are able to pace themselves um, in a way that allows for them to do their job in a way that benefits the children and the culture of the school, but also in a way that allows them time to rest and rejuvenate so that they can go back the next day and the next day after that and keep doing this. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's, yeah, it's a very, uh, you know, very good point. And here I am with the, with the sports analogy again. So, you know, it's just like, uh, like boxing, right? It's stamina. You know, we, this is a 10 month, uh, you know, 10 month gig, you know, or to nine to 10 month. You know, I'm not here like a, like a boxing ring where it's a three month, three, uh, you know, three round match, you know, you're there the whole 12 rounds and you got to learn how to pace yourself. You know, there's going to be ups and downs, you know, like, uh, you know, one, you might lose one round, but then you come back for the next round. And again, you know, you pacing myself out to really not burn myself. Uh, you gotta like, you know, September, the beginning of the school year, whether it's September or August, whenever you start, it's going to be rough. And everyone knows that's, you know, we, we take a beating, oh, yeah. <laughs> especially this, oh, you know, yeah. The, yeah, this year after COVID, <laughs> we're going to take a beating. So I know I might lose this round, but it's okay. I know the next round after that, by that time, I already have a routine, I already get it down. Um, and then I might, I know I might lose a round around December because, you know, the kiddos know it's getting ready for, for winter break. And so I know they might be a little bit, um, rowdy, rowdier, um, than usual. Um, so that's another thing I, I gotta know. So there, there are certain times of the months where I know it's gonna be hard and I gotta take that into account. And again, it is a long, it's a long game. It's a pacing myself. I gotta know how to keep at a constant pace or some paces or some times of the month or sometimes of the year, I gotta, I gotta put in a little bit more work, a little more effort. Um, just, you know, just to, to make it out. And so again, it's all, it's all safe, self pacing. <laughs> Point you bring up because one of the first things I do in, especially like with our summer unit plannings, right. When I have the, dip, the various grade levels collaborate, one of the first, well, the first question I ask, even before we get into the meat of the curriculum is always, how do you plan on taking care of yourself this year? Mm -hmm. And I'm always amazed at 
it's like for the vast majority of teachers, it's sort of like a deer in the headlights look back at me mm-hmm. because I often think that that's one of the first times that that question has actually been posed to them. And as a follow-up question, I always ask, what brings you joy? Mm-hmm. What brings you joy? Yeah. Which is another question that many people, not just educators, are really stumped at answering because A, most people have never been asked that question and B, most people in my experience have never even pondered that question. Mm-hmm. And so I get really curious with teachers. You know, I really, you know, in order to bring out the self care that would most benefit them, really just asking that one simple question what brings you joy? Mm-hmm. And it mm-hmm. doesn't have to be a big, bold, move. Joy can be something as simple as taking time for oneself. You know, some of these things we spoke to earlier, meditation, you know, uh, spending time with your animal, your dog, your cat, um, you know, cooking really great food, relaxing, staying off the technology. You know, I could go on and on, Albert. But Uh that one question about what brings you joy, I have found is such a great entry point in for people to really start discovering what self-care means for them. And again, this is one of the reasons why uh, I had such a nice welcoming welcoming, uh, experience when I first went to the school, because, you know, that's one of the, I remember that's one of the first things you asked me instead of you, instead of, you know, you or some other, maybe an administrator or some other person asking me, you know, Oh, what strategies do you use? How are you setting up the classroom? What behavior techniques are you seeing? You, you know, you straight up asked me, well, what brings you joy? How are you going to take care of yourself? And it's, it's refreshing, right? You know, you're actually looking out for me as, as a person first and a teacher second. And so that's, that's one of the uh, like refreshing and welcoming things that I that I really had and our, our, one of our first interactions I really enjoyed. Uh, yeah. Um, and then I know I know you know I know I know we were talking about the years of experience being one of the burnout factors, and I know this has recently changed with COVID, um, <laughs> especially with virtual instruction. It kind of made almost everyone feel like a, like a new teacher, you know, starting from scratch. Cause here we are to use, you know, teaching and then being a hands-on experience and using manipulatives and you know, really scaffolding and all that, all the, all that experience, all of that rapport that you build those relationships in the classroom. You now here we are trying to build it online. And so I know if had almost every teacher feel like at step one or, or square one, and that, that led to a lot of teachers, you know, eventually, leaving the field altogether early or just retiring early. Um, but yeah, I mean, again, a big thing here is really, really pacing yourself. Um, yeah. Yes. But yeah. here, here's the, here's the big one. Here's the, the big topic, right? So we all, we're all going to experience teacher burnout, you know, as, as a veteran teacher, as a new teacher or, you know, whatever it may be. Um, it shouldn't be, a taboo talking about teacher burnout. It shouldn't be like a sign of weakness. Um, we just got to talk about it, get it off your chest. Uh, and there's different ways of getting at, you know, out of our system, whether it's like you and I, we just talk about it 
whether it's laughing, whether it's crying, whether it's writing about it. Some people like to write journals or just write away on their laptop. Some people like art, they like expressing it in different ways. Maybe I don't like, maybe I'm not so good with words and I can draw my emotions. Um, I actually have a friend who's an artist and she, she can actually, you know, she expresses her, her way or how she's feeling through with a simple sketch or a simple doodle. Um, yeah. I so love that. Yeah. I mean, you know, some, maybe, you know, again, you know, it might be hard for <coughs> some people to talk about their feelings. So they just find other ways to do it. Just whether it's listening to music, depending on what their mood is. Uh, but yeah, there's many, many, many different ways. And sometimes when we're venting, we just want to be heard and maybe not necessarily be given advice. Uh, I mean, there's plenty of times where I've vented to you and I mean, you do give great advice, but sometimes I just want you to hear what's going on. Um, and I know, yeah, sometimes we just act based on emotions. We just want to say whatever it is we have and get it off our chest. And I just need someone to listen. Yeah. Whoever that may be, whoever that, you know, your partner, your spouse, a friend, a coworker, et cetera, <laughs> maybe even your pet as well. Um, <laughs> yeah, there, you know, they, at the end of the day, you know, if we don't address it, there are serious consequences of teacher burnout and there are resources available. I mean, yes, it's nice having someone nearby as a support system, but if you really need professional help there, there are resources out there if you really need it. You know, I love that you're bringing this forward because, um, this piece about being heard. And I really believe that when people feel that they are being deeply heard, miraculous things can happen. And this, this has been my experience with that, that everybody, everybody, and I include myself here wants to be heard. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's in that slowing down. It's in that just stopping and really taking time to be with people in a way that they feel presence with you and they feel heard by you. Boy, there's nothing better. There's just mm-hmm. nothing better than when someone feels completely 100% heard and not only heard, but seen. Mm-hmm. Really mm-hmm. heard and really seen. Yeah. And, you know, I know in my own life, when I have felt that way with people, when somebody's really heard me and they're present with me, boy, the difference that has made and the long lasting impression. Yeah. And I, I think, I, you know, for many people, it's really that this whole piece about slowing down. You know, we live in this, this era now both as teachers and outside in our personal lives where energetically on the planet, things have been so sped up, right? Everybody's doing, 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 doing. And, you know, not that doing is a bad thing. Doing can be a very good thing. But I think most of us in this culture have been indoctrinated into this belief system that, you know, if we do, 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 We're going to achieve, 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 achieve. And I have found for myself that when I take time to slow down and to really presence myself in my own life, that the doing 
is an automatic byproduct because I'm more present. And instead of trying to multitask and doing 20 things at once and not doing them all very neatly and well, that I really am able to prioritize the most important things that need to get done and leave the rest. But it's in that slowing down and in that presencing that I have discovered that. Yeah. Again, I, uh, I guess kind of goes back with, uh, you know, what you said earlier, really wanting to be listened to and really be in the moment, like you said, you know, turning off the phone or really just removing distractions yes. and really listen to the person or, or, um, cause sometimes, yeah, we just want to be heard, like you said. And, you know, if I'm have music in the background or I have my phone, you know, getting incoming calls or texts, um, yeah, I'm not really, you know, my, my attention is being divided between me and whatever else is distracting. So really yes. be in that moment and really actually listen and the other person really wanting to be, to be heard. And I, you know, I like how you said, you know, sometimes we need a, what is that? What is that phrase or that, that quote that they say? It's not about the destination. It's a journey. Just really stopping to really appreciate, um, what you have right there at that moment. So, so yeah. Yeah. And again, you know, it's, it's, it's not to say that the do, do, doing is a bad thing, right? I mean, we all want to achieve, we all want to make the goal, whatever that goal is in our life. But I found for myself that the overdoing, there's this fine line of doing and overdoing, right? And I'm not always perfect with it in my own life, but I find that when I slow down and I ask myself, you know, that one basic question of, is this something that needs to be done now? Or can this wait? And does it even need to be done at all? So it's just that, 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 that act of slowing down and really getting conscious with myself and asking myself that. Uh, that's a great transition to our next part was um, the hierarchy, the hierarchy of self-care. And we're at the top, you know, your well-being is always at the top. You gotta, you gotta take care of yourself. It's, it's not a, it's not an option. You know, it's, it's a must. Um, you know, it's not like an extra credit course, like, Oh, you know, it's, uh, if I have time, I'll, I'll squeeze in some self-care time. No, it's, it's something that you need to make time to do. It's a necessity. And you gotta, like you said, you gotta look at your priority list. You know, there are things that we like to do. I mean, I like to go out and, concerts and go out to comedy clubs or like going out with friends. There are things that are luxury that, you know, if I have time, I like to spoil myself every now and then, you know, go to, you know, to a mini vacation or a road trip. And then there's also things that are necessities like, like food and water and self-care is a necessity. It's at the top. It's at the top of your hierarchy. You need to, you need to look at your priorities list. What can I what needs to be done and self-care is one of them. What things do I have free time to do if, if, if I get around to it? Um, so you need to be able to s schedule that, that, that self-care time. And earlier, I know you said was a friend that could casually or knew how to say no, you know, that power of saying no, saying no to friends or to coworkers, reminding ourselves that we need to look out for ourselves first. I need to look out for my, my sanity, my self-care. Um, and sometimes that means you taking a step back from certain extra things that you might have on your plate. If you're volunteering, um, or if you have any extracurricular activities, um, 
you know, particularly, you know, my high school days, you know, I would always put academic first and then sports, you know, um, for me, self-care, I, I needed to take care of myself, uh, academics. That was really important to me. And, you know, sports was another, it was an extracurricular activity. So just really having my priority lists, uh, really set and knowing how I can take care of myself is by really having this thing as a priority, as a, as a must, as a necessity. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. I love the sports analogy here too. You bring in. That's great. That's awesome. <laughs> uh, I uh, used to be a coach, so I guess that's where the analogies come from. I can tell. <laughs> it's awesome. <laughs> um, yeah. Again, you know, scheduling, you know, one of the benefits of scheduling is, uh, if you schedule in your day, you know, at midday, I'm going to enjoy this yummy lunch that I prepared for, for myself or at the end of the school day, I'm going to have this treat or I'm going to go treat myself for a spa massage or I'm going to go do this, whatever it may be. You know, when you schedule in that, that self-care time, that you time, um, it really creates something for you to look forward to. Um, can, can it, it can kind of be used like a, as a reward. Um, I want something to look forward to, but you know, at the end of the day, you should always get that reward. Don't, don't skip out on it. Um, so it, by me scheduling those things, I thought, oh, okay, I'm almost there. It was like really setting the light and setting or seeing that light at the end of the tunnel. Um, you know, those short, those short successes that you can really celebrate in. Um, and you know, by scheduling those fun things in your schedule, um, and your, your calendar, in advance, it can really help create these realistic uh, schedules. It can really help kind of like scaffold, really build up, you know, by creating a schedule and you sticking with it, then you create a routine and then just like, uh, like every other sports and you practice and practice, practice. Um, again, it may seem funny with this analogy, but you know, the more and more you practice, the better you get at it. And again, the more you practice scheduling that self-care, then the more it comes natural and like, all right, now, now is the time I really take care of myself. So I know it can be kind of forced in the beginning and, you know, it might seem kind of counterintuitive, like, wait, why am I scheduling free time? You know, free time should come natural, should become unscheduled, like unstructured. But sometimes we do need that structured uh, f free time, that structured self-care. Yeah. Yeah. And, you so. know, and going back to the whole no thing, saying no, you know, to me, saying no really is a radical form of self-care because it really helps me to prioritize my well-being um, over obligations and relationships, you know, and it's, it's really important to be able to say no so that I feel more empowered while still maintaining all my relationships with others. And it, and it also enables others to have more clarity about uh, what they can expect from me. So there's so much going on with that simple no statement. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, there's this like, uh, I think this is how the analogy goes, right? Like, you know, the power is saying no. So, you know, moving to uh, a new house, right? You get to choose the way you want your house to be. You choose the furniture, you choose the way things are laid out. Um, it's not just, all right, you know, whoever comes in the house to just come in and come in. No, you are in charge. You know, you choose which guests, what people, what friends you have in your life. You choose like the furniture, you choose the way you set up your, 
you know, your way of living. You know, I want the bed here. I want this there. And by you saying no, you get to decide, you get to create those boundaries. You get to choose how much you can handle, you know, because if you just have guests, guests come inside the house all the time and like all this furniture and all these bikes come in, it's going to be overwhelming, right? You're not going to have any time for where you're going to sleep. Right. If you have all these boxes and all this furniture in there, you're not going to leave any room for, for your own, you know, f- where to sleep and where to put your food. So you got to be able to choose how much to fill your house with. Um, yes. So I think, yeah, I think that's how the, I think that's how the analogy goes. Um, but uh, <laughs> it sounds great, Albert. I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> but let's, you know, let's quickly, you know, while we're talking about the you know, self care and in, in ways people can, practice self-care, um, even just scheduling. Let's like some quick ideas. So it's, we talked about, about them earlier before, you know, something as simple as taking a walk, really enjoying nature. I know, um, you know, we might be used to being inside the classroom all the time or within the school campus, but it's nice to really enjoy nature or maybe just explore your city. Um, like those, there's those hidden gems that you might find. Uh, meditation. I know some friends that practice yoga or Pilates or just any kind of form of exercise. It doesn't have to be intense, like like cardio or going to the gym. It can be something as simple as, as stretching. Um, you know, that's you know, exercise is exercise. It doesn't have to be super intense. It can be a slow meditating exercise. Um, creating a sleep schedule. You know. I got to go to sleep. Yeah. Yeah. I got to. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe you can talk about this one then. Well, I mean that, you know, that's part of the physical. So, um, for myself, what I do every month, Albert, is I have something I call a tracking sheet and I put it on my refrigerator and there's four headings, physical, spiritual, emotional, and mental. And so, what I do is I have checkoff boxes next to each of those and I list one, no more than two items under each of those headings. And when I work with folks, I always tell them, let's just start with one because what happens is we get so, you know, uh, gung ho that when we try to set too many goals for ourselves, what's going to happen the first week? Oftentimes we'll feel like we fail because we didn't meet all the criteria, blah, blah, blah. So I tell people, let's just start with one. So for instance, my tracking sheet that's currently up for September of 2021 um, is on my fridge. Under mental, I have reading uplifting material two to three times a week of my choice. My physical, I have two things. Getting seven hours of sleep, which means for me being in bed no no later than 1030 at night. And the other thing is um, drinking ample amounts of water each day. Okay. My spiritual, meditating for a minimum of 10 minutes each morning. And finally, my, what was the last one? Mental, physical, emotional. Um, Making a gratitude list of five things I'm grateful for every day. And texting five or 10 of my best friends, my gratitude list. And so I have those things under my tracking sheet. And each day I do those things, I check off Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And I also have at the bottom my quality. And my quality, I tell people, just think of a one word adjective. Something that you'd really like to lean into more in your life. And some examples of that would be courage, freedom, loving, 
presence, um, leadership, things like that. And you'll know what that quality is immediately. It's the one thing that you really are striving to be more of in your life. So my, my quality happens to be presence. And I mentioned this earlier. So I also rate my level of presence from the time I wake up to the time I go to bed. So I give myself a numeric number, one through 10, one being the lowest, 10 being the highest. And I rate myself. So I not only do my checkup of those items I mentioned under the headings, but I rate myself on how present I was in my daily life. And so these are simple ways that people can track and see, because oftentimes we, we think all these things in our head about what we want to do for self-care. But for me, I found, and for many people, to have something tangible where I have to look at it every day from the time when I get up and go to bed, just to make sure and to see where I am on track with these things that I'm really that where my intention is and where I really want to lean more into in my life. Mm-hmm. I like, yeah, I like, I like all these ideas uh, and being able to track um, sometimes. Highly mm-hmm. important because really what it does more than anything, it keeps me accountable. And I find that for most people, the accountability piece, the self accountability piece is where most people tend to go astray. Like I said, you can have all these great ideas in your head, but most of us need something tangible, something that is visual, that we can look at every day to really check in with ourselves to see, huh, did I meet that goal or did I meet those criteria for the day? Yeah, it's the, you know, it's like, there's the great part about self-reflection. We, we do that in the classroom. We encourage our students to do it, but we need to do it ourselves, right? We need to look at if something doesn't go right, we need to look at what went wrong. You know, it's nice. It's nice. Like you said, setting up all these new ideas, these boundaries and routines, but yeah, history will repeat itself. We, we don't look and don't have that proactive mindset. We're holding ourselves accountable. Um, you know, we're allowed to have bad days and maybe sometimes bad weeks, but you know, if it becomes, if it starts becoming a habit, then we're not really holding ourselves accountable. We're just going back into that, uh, you know, down that downward spiral again, where we're going to burn ourselves out again. That's right. That's right. And, and I'm going to take it to special ed, which Mm -hmm. I had the absolute pleasure today of going into a room for a couple of hours and subbing. And in this special ed room, the teacher had all of the specific goals for her students listed, not only on the bulletin board, but each student had their own little box of whatever those specific goals were in the IEP, right? So the students knew what their goals were, how they were going to meet those goals. And she set that up in a way that made them accountable in order to meet those goals. And I thought that was so brilliant. And I thought, you know what? This is perfect. She's not only doing this for her students, but she's doing it for herself to make sure that the kiddos are on track. And I thought, this is such a brilliant way for us as adults, for us as teachers to keep ourselves on track, just like she had the kids doing that. She had set it up for them to have success. This is how we can have success in our own life with our self-care. Yeah. 
That's a, that's a good point of right there in the classroom, you know, by having those goals listed out and, you know, lets the students know that, Hey, I'm on your team. These are what we're trying to do together as a team. And I'm going to hold you accountable. You're going to hold me accountable. Uh, and, and then, you know, outside the classroom and, and, and like the example you said, you know, holding ourselves accountable and having something tangible. You know, I'm not, you know, I'm not just doing this just to annoy myself or to give, my, <laughs> give myself a, a harder right. time and doing this to, to help me out. And in the long run, this is going to improve myself. This is really going to help, you know, like iron out those wrinkles wherever it is that I struggled with it for. I want to, I want to better myself, you know? Exactly. And, you know, and the great thing about all this is that, well, you know what? So I didn't make this goal. No need to beat myself up. It's okay. I'm human, but let's take a reset. You know, let's take a moment to like really slow it down and, and, and recalibrate and huh, how, how can I set myself up next time for greater success? Because I think that piece about recalibrating, resetting is really such a missed opportunity so often. But mm -hmm. how do we recalibrate? How do we look at the goal that we miss? It's really taking that time to slow down and really being present about whatever it was and recalibrating and maybe, you know, making that goal different in order to make the goal at the end what we want. But in the interim, you know, really giving ourselves some grace here and really taking ourselves off the hook because I have found that teachers um, are really great about beating themselves up if whatever the particular goal, whether it's for their student or for themselves, isn't met. Where I love to reframe that and say, wow, okay, this goal wasn't met, but let's take this opportunity to, to reset. That's a great point. The recalibrating, it, it can be very tricky for other, for actually most people. You, they think, oh, I made one error. I messed up. It's the end of the world. I'm going to sink. You <laughs> sink. Yeah. But the real calibrating, all right, let me take a step back. Let me see where I am. Let me see where I need to be. And let me see what I need to do in order to get there. And the yeah. whole recalibrating part, is, it's a skill. It's a skill that you, you got to practice. You gotta, you, again, like with everything else, you got to practice and uh, train yourself to do. Um, and, and, and also in this piece about just, you know, giving ourselves a break. Right. I mean, really just giving ourselves a break. I think going back to the earlier part of this conversation, there's so much going on right now on this planet. There's so much going on right now in our school system. There's so much going on everywhere that nobody knows at all. You know, now some people may think they know it all, <laughs> but in reality, we know what the truth is, right? Nobody knows it all. And we're all just kind of trying to figure this out as we go. So I think this part about really just being more gentle on ourselves and um, really giving ourselves a break, Albert, is so crucial right now. It's just so crucial. Yeah. And I mean, I don't know if you have people in your life that can help you out with this, but I actually do. I, I, I have a... I have people who I, I tell them, hey, don't be afraid to call me out on it. Like, you know, I have a support mm -hmm. system. Let me know. Hey, 
I'm doing way too much or, oh, Hey, I need to slow down or just the whole checks and balance. Cause again, yeah, I can, I can try and, you know, hold myself accountable, you know, having something tangible to, to write, uh, to let me know, but it's nice every now and then people who really generally care for you and love you. They also are your support system. They'll be like, Hey, oh, wait a second, Albert. Or, hey, wait a second, John, you know, Johnny, you're, you might be doing a little bit too much here, or, you know, take a step back or slow it down. And it's nice having people like that in your life who are also looking out for your self-care and your, um, and you, you betcha. To, to help you I, with that. I love that. I love that you, you know, that you have those folks in your life that you call on to ask that. I think you bring up a very, very good point here. Yeah. Um, if you, you know, if you're lucky to have to have someone like that, then you have them use it. If not, you know, find, find support groups, you know, there are people that, you know, are going through very similar things or if not the same exact thing as you would be loved to more, would love to share their experience with you. And I'm sure they would like to be listened to And same thing with you. They would love to listen and just share ideas together. <clears throat> um, but one thing that we're always talking about with self-care is boundaries, right? You know, just what is that phrase? You know, you, you leave your work at the door. We know how hard this is, especially as educators, but it is possible. Um, there are, you can leave your work at the door and having those boundaries, you know, we're all aware of how much work teachers do and all the extra hours that goes into prepping and grading. And sometimes it spills into our personal life, but we got to set those boundaries. Uh, you can start off with something simple, like even with your email, like, you know, not available or uh, offline, something simple like that. Just letting you know, like, all right, this is, this is my me time. This is my, my time to, to work on myself, uh, to step away. And time is valuable. It's something that we need to protect. Um, you know, again, in this field of education, you know, you're just one person and, uh, it's a very collective community. There are other people to help you out. Um, it's again, it's a very, it's a team effort. Um, well, you know, one of my favorite quotes of all time, um, is by Brene Brown, who's one of my all time favorite um, authors, motivational speakers, and she's a PhD in sociology. And what she says about boundaries is, Daring to set boundaries is about having the courage to love ourselves, even when we risk disappointing others. Like really take that in. Daring to set boundaries is about having the courage to love ourselves, even when we risk disappointing others. Mm hmm. I just love that quote. I think it's, I think it sums it all up perfectly. Yeah. That's a, that's a great quote. <clears throat> um, yeah. You gotta, you gotta be able to, to set those boundaries. Uh, Cause if you're constantly working all the time and constantly thinking about this, you know, the thing that you love will turn into something you dread. Right? You will drain your energy thinking about all the things that we do not have control over. You know, I can try and control as much as I can in the classroom, try and work the, the behavior and the classroom rules and the routine, et cetera. But there's millions of other things I have no control over. Um, and I have to be okay with that. I have, that's something I have to accept. You know, the, we don't know what goes outside the classroom. Um, we might know, but we might not know everything that goes outside the classroom. And I, I gotta accept those things. I gotta accept like, this is where, 
I stop, um, you know, this is where I stop doing things, you know, that this is my free time. This is my self care. These are the boundaries that I set. And, you know, you, you gotta, you gotta remember your self worth, you know, you, you're doing more than enough. You just, first of all, the schools hired you for a reason. They hired you because of your quality of work, because of your qualifications. You know, it's not a matter of you needing to put all and then all this extra time, all this extra effort to prove uh, your, your competence. You got hired in the first place because the school, the principal, the school district, the administrator, they all saw your worth. They all saw what you bring to the team. So I, I always hear the story about, you know, particularly new teachers wanting to put in all this extra work. And again, it's just eating up all their time and they feel stressed and they feel burned out because they feel they need to catch up. They feel they need to prove, but man, I always let them know, like you're doing great. At the end of the day, you're doing everything that you can within your, you know, within what you can do within your boundaries. Um, because again, we can't control everything. And that's something that we have to accept. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And then just you know, the last thing I, I want to talk about, uh, and you briefly talked about earlier was celebrating a success. Uh, I know it's, it's very toxic comparing ourselves to others, right? You know, maybe a, a, a new, new teacher comparing themselves to an experienced teacher or a novice teacher, et cetera. You know, comparing yourselves is never going to do you any good. All right. Don't compare your success to others. You know, maybe something that I'm really proud of, a small success might seem like nothing to another teacher or vice versa. So remember you celebrate your own success. You know, remember that self-compassion, remember that you're number one. Um, and little, little, you know, little victories, you just treat them like big victories. Um, and just know that everyone's on a different path. Everyone's going to do different things and their self care, their self, uh, you know, the self care routine might be totally different from yours. And so you need to be able to accept and celebrate those successes and even just accepting compliments. You know, I, 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 I've met people who have a hard time accepting compliments be like, Oh, you're doing great in the classroom, but they'll be like, yeah, but I still have so much to do or yeah, I still need to do this or et cetera, et cetera. Just accept the, accept the compliment and say, yeah, thank you. You know, what, Albert, I love that you bring that forward because this goes back to the saying, Oh no, I can't. And I'm really sorry because blah, 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 blah. You know what I mean? It's like, just like what you're saying, a simple thank you, you know, or a simple no. And I have found that just by practicing that skill, just saying the thank you or the no is so huge. And it's really a great practice. And it's something that I still work on, you know, and that I consciously, I I work on all the time. But I love that you brought that forward because just a simple thank you and really acknowledging that person for seeing the good job you're doing is such a huge thing. You know, it's kind of like that, the 99 things you do right, but mm-hmm. what do we focus on normally? The negative. Mm. The one thing that might yeah. not have gone the way you yeah. wanted. Yeah. Right? It's just, so I don't know if that's human nature. I don't know if that's, you know, if that's more common amongst our teacher friends, but I know that it's pretty prevalent in education that people do that. So I I love that you brought that up. Yeah. I I know it's hard. I know it's easier said than done, but just accept it, accept the successes 
Those are small victories. Accept the compliments. Just accept that someone appreciates what you're doing. I know you might be dealing with a million things in your head or actually on your plate, but you know, stop. And like you said, you know, just stop and smell the flowers and appreciate that someone appreciates you. So, yeah. And, uh, you know, and with that being said, as we wrap this episode up, is there, uh, any advice that you would give to maybe new teachers or those thinking about entering, thinking about entering the educational field and just how to deal with the self-care? You know, that's such a great question. And I, I, I actually wish I were at the college university teaching a self-care class for new teachers, <laughs> you know, not pedagogy. Mm-hmm. Nothing like that, but just simply self-care. I would, you know, my biggest feedback there for folks would be going back to the tracking and really sitting down and just even listing one thing that you feel emotionally, mentally, physically, and spiritually would really assist you in your new career. And really keeping oneself accountable to that one thing. And if you find that that one thing isn't working anymore, you know, recalibrate, change it, you know, and also um, collaborating with other new teachers on this very same topic. Because I feel like the community aspect of this um, and having that support of others is crucial because oftentimes when we try to do things on our own, um, we know what happens, but when we have those people around us who are rooting for us, that are our cheerleaders and that are in the same boat as we are, um, I find that to be a very, very powerful, uh, experience. Great words, great words, and a great advice. I like being able to track. I know to those, you know, oh, it might seem oh, one extra thing I got to do, but no. At the end of the day, it will benefit you, and it's all for your, it's all for your self worth, self care. Yeah, and the other thing that's coming forward too is from the quote I said by Brene Brown: just even risk saying no. Mm-hmm. Risk saying no because it is a risk. We're not used to saying no, but like risk a little bit. (laughs) Risk is a good thing. Yes. In this instance. Yeah. With that being said, this has been another episode of Teachers Care Society. I want to thank today's guest, uh, John. Thank you for being a guest on today's episode. It was it was such an honor, Albert, <laughs> and I really enjoyed it. And here's to having more fun and more joy in our lives. And I just I I can't thank you enough for allowing me to talk on a topic that is extremely passionate to my heart. And um, I could tell yours also. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you. Well, with that being said, thank you for listening and see you next time.